Our first reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel is from St. John, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, and he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am about to, what I am doing to you, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus said to him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who would betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garments and resumed his place. And he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, for you are right, for so I am. If I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. 
If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. We can Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. O bread of heaven, my soul's delight, for full and free remission, I come with prayer before your sight in sorrow and contrition. Your righteousness, Lord, cover me, that I receive you worthily, assured of your full pardon. Amen. Over and over again as you go through the Gospels, you see that even on the night it happens, the disciples still do not get it. They are not expecting it. They had walked and talked with Jesus more than anyone else ever has. By most counts, three years. Yet they did not understand what Jesus was up to. He had told them. And even when they had tried to argue him out of it, he had corrected them and told them over again. And even beyond the three years of seeing his miracles, of hearing Jesus himself preach to them and teach them by themselves. Beyond that, there is the entire Old Testament. There is the sacrificial system. There are the prophecies. There are the Psalms. There are the types. There are events like the Passover. But we know that at the end of this night, they will all flee from his side. We also know that none of them will show up at the tomb on Sunday morning expecting the risen Lord. Instead, they will be holed up in fear. Some will start heading home almost immediately, saddened, wondering why this had happened so unexpectedly and gone so poorly. And we can recognize, I hope, we can recognize the foolishness in this because it is foolishness, as Jesus will tell them. But we should also see that it marks out the danger and the blindness of sin and just how deep it runs in all of us, even in the disciples. We should also recognize that We live in an age of this kind of foolishness, this kind of sinful blindness. And actually, we could say that our age is more foolish. Because you can look at the disciples and say that they should have known. How much more can we look around at our world for whom the disciples wrote all of these things down? We can look even at ourselves and not know what has been told us over and over again. Because even today, it is not as if God works in ways that we are entirely satisfied with. 
We ourselves probably want to give God advice now and again about how he should really do it if he wanted to be more successful. If he really wanted to save more people, we probably have an idea or two about how he could go about it differently. When Peter tried to tell Jesus to stop, to get off of this track of going to the cross and grave, Jesus tells him that he has in mind the things of man, not the things of God. And tonight, as we hear about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, which they all recognize, this is an act of lowly service. Peter again tries to object. This is not befitting of someone that they call Lord. And again, Jesus corrects him. This is the type of thing he has come to do. And you see, he more than corrects him. Earlier on in the gospel, Jesus had told them they would have to pick up their own crosses and follow him. Again, we heard in the reading from John 13, Jesus tells them, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. At which point, I'm sure the disciples all nodded their heads. But isn't that the reason they flee? It is one thing to have a Lord who acts as you expect someone who is in charge to act. It is another thing to have a Lord who serves, to have a Lord who suffers, to have a Lord who dies. And as we will hear, they don't want a part of that action. At least not until Jesus is risen from the grave. That makes the difference in their lives. But what have we learned? Do words like humble service, is a word like suffering, is a word like dying, do those sound inviting to you? We say, of course not. These are things our world tries to avoid, tries to ignore, tries its best not to talk about. And all of them, I, th I think we could see that the world says that they are a failure of some sort. Now, for what it's worth, the scriptures say that these things can make us more like our Lord. But we, like the disciples that night, aren't so sure. Can God really work? Does he want to work like that? One of the ways that we know something is a miracle is that things do not work that way. They can't work that way normally. So you, you know that if you go and place mud on a blind man's eyes, you're not going to see. You know that if someone is dead and you go up and grab their hand, they're not going to get up. You know that if it's windy outside and you tell it to calm down, it is not going to stop. Jesus does all of these things and we call them miracles. 
He does them as a proof of his authority, as proof of who he is. Just as in the parables, he talks about the kingdom of God and how it works differently than we would normally expect him to work, or these types of characters to work. Over and over again, it is clear in the scriptures that his thoughts are not our thoughts, nor his ways our ways. And we're going to hear that all over again tomorrow and Sunday. Yet even tonight, we have another example. No one else gives their body and blood in bread and wine for us to eat and drink. And we know that no one could. It is a miracle. It is a miracle that he does to forgive us our sins. It is a miracle that he does to strengthen our faith. And miraculously, 2,000 years later, he still does it for us. And this weekend, as we hear everything all over again, for us to, like the disciples, news of Jesus' resurrection should make all of the difference. And when we hear about it all over again, just as it clearly worked for them, we should then go back through the scriptures, through the gospels, and see what he said and what he did to learn more about him and his ways. Knowing, as he, as he tells us tonight, that he gives us an example. That this is something that all of the faithful will undergo to some extent as we follow him. And we should see that he strengthens our faith by these miraculous ways. He saves people still today by these miraculous ways, by word and water, bread and wine, by ways that look inconsequential, even pathetic. And yet they are the ways and the works of God. Amen.